What do you think about when you hear the word revival? Is there a picture that comes to mind? Is there an experience maybe of when you were younger and a part of a church that hosted a revival? What is it that you see in your mind's eye when you hear that Boone UMC is going to be experiencing revival? Anybody scared? <laughs> Anybody wondering what? What? <laughs> what is this revival that you speak of? <laughs> I see some hands. Yes, it's okay. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to wonder what in the world is going on, um, because you may have you may have in your mind some images of a of a big tent, maybe, or um, or some uh, some singing together, or some some fiery preaching. And we're going to have all of those things, I promise you. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be fantastic. And as we prepare for revival, I just want to share with you some of the verses that will ground our experience and prepare our hearts for what God is going to do in our midst. And so I invite you to hear this word uh, from Mark chapter 16. This is going to be the basis for everything that we do in revival. Uh, Jesus is talking to the disciples before he leaves them and says, go into all the world and, and preach the gospel to all creation. And he says this, he says, uh, he says, all these, and these will be signs that will accompany all those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. Who's ready for revival, friends? Okay, those aren't really the verses that are going to echo our time in revival, but I'm sure, I am sure that there are places. In fact, I just drove by a big tent on the way to Lenore last week um, that, said, um, that said end of days revival is coming. So they might have some of those elements there for you if you want to check that out. It's a big blue tent on the side of the road. Um, but what we are going to do, and what I encourage us to do this morning as we prepare for revival, we're starting a new sermon series entitled Revival. We are interested in what God is doing and stirring in our midst, and we want to create space for that. That's what our revival is going to be about. We, it, this was born out of an experience with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Michelle Haas was driving across country from here to Texas, right? And just la God laid on her heart that we need an opportunity. This was a couple of months ago, back when vaccines weren't as common, like we weren't able to gather in some of the ways that we have been. Um, God laid on Michelle's heart a vision for revival that involves a lot of those things. A big tent, singing, food, fellowship, preaching, hearing from God's word. But it was born organically out of this movement of the spirit to say, hey, let's get together. Because it was the middle of winter and we hadn't been together in the ways that we were used to for so long. And spring was coming. And God was doing a new thing in our midst. And this idea of revival was born. And so, so Michelle brought it to the vision team and to staff and we prayed over it and we really felt strongly that yes, indeed, God is calling us to revival. Um, but maybe not in some of the ways that you might be anxious about. Although I will say, you should be anxious about creating time and space to meet with the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit goes where it will, goes where it will, and does what it wants. And, and we respond to it, and we can't control it. And we're going to talk about that this morning. 
There's a helpful definition that I found um, about revival from this book called Longing for Revival. I've been reading this over the last couple of months, Longing for Revival um, by James Chung and Ryan Pfeiffer. The subtitle of this is From Holy Discontent to Breakthrough Faith. From Holy Discontent to Breakthrough Faith. And I don't know how you have felt through this season, but I imagine there's some discontent in the last year and a half or so. And we are longing for God to do a new thing in our midst. And so we are going to prepare space for God to move and for us to be responsive to that movement of the Spirit. And I love the way that these these authors define revival. They define it this way. A season of breakthroughs in word, deed, and power that ushers in a new normal of kingdom experience and fruitfulness. There's a whole lot in there, so let me read it again. A season of breakthroughs. This isn't just a one-time event, June 9th through 11th. No, we're hoping that God is ushering in a season of breakthroughs in word, deed, and power. We are going to preach from God's word. We are going to sing together. We are going to be sent and commissioned to act in response to that word. And we are expecting to see signs of God at work in power among us, that ushers in a new normal of kingdom experience and fruitfulness. So again, this is about being open to the ways that God is working and moving and living and active in our midst. Not just one night, not just two nights or three nights, but a new season of God's movement in and among and through us. And an invitation for us to join that movement. That's what we are preparing our hearts for as we gear up for revival next week, the 9th through the 11th. And so um, I'm going to read a story of revival from the Old Testament this morning from Ezekiel. I find it really interesting that we have found ourselves through the, throughout this sermon series and the last one um, anchored in the story of the Israelites' captivity. When they were, they, were, they were God's people, but then they were taken in, into captivity by Babylon, into, taken away and, and forced to live in a foreign land where things just weren't, just felt different. <laughs> they, were out, they were displaced. They were, they were captives. And they had to reimagine, what does life look like now? And where is God in the midst of all of this? And God sent prophets to tell them exactly where God was in the midst of all of it. God is where God always was, right there with them doing a new thing. And so I invite you to hear this word from Ezekiel chapter 37. Starting in verse 1. The hand of the Lord was on me. This is Ezekiel speaking. The hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, 
and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them. but There was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel, and then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it declares the Lord. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. What a fantastic story. What an amazing image and vision that Ezekiel was given by God. And again, remember, Ezekiel, Ezekiel actually, he was a priest, As a part of God's people, it was his duty to to preach and lead worship services and liturgy and all these things um, and to guide the spiritual life of those uh, who who were following God. And he was part of the group that was taken away into captivity. And so he preached to them as one of them. He came to them as a prophet and a priest, as one who had been taken away into captivity, forced to live in a foreign land uh, among foreign gods, among, uh, among people who didn't know the Lord God that, that Ezekiel did. Uh, this was the context where he lived. And, and he was in Babylon when he was prophesying these things and when he received this vision from God's Spirit. And so this was kind of the beginning of, of the moment where, as it says in there, these, these dry bones were the people of Israel. And so this is the beginning of where the people of Israel hear that, hey, this is not the end of our story. There is hope yet for God's people. There is hope yet. And so we read that, uh, first of all, that Ezekiel, 
was brought out by the Spirit of the Lord and set into the middle of a valley. Now, I think the most important thing in that sentence is that he was brought out by God's Spirit. Nothing happens without God's Spirit. Ezekiel wasn't able to lead them out of captivity and back to their own land, but God was, and only by God's Spirit was that about to happen. And so the Spirit of the Lord was upon Ezekiel and brought him out and gave him this vision. These dry bones were very, very dry. I mean, imagine, I heard the other day there are 200 uh, bones in the human body. And he was walking among them and through them in this vision, led by the Spirit. What a weird thing, right? To be led by the Spirit into this valley of collection of bones that are clearly very, very dead. Dry bones, dried out by the sun, have been there for who knows how long. Uh, unmarked grave, essentially, for God's people, as we learn later. This is how the people felt in captivity. They, it was as if they had died and been forgotten and ignored and left in the sun to dry out. No hope. Verse 4. Then the Spirit said to Ezekiel, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So again, friends, as we prepare for revival, we are invited to hear the word of the Lord. We're going to hear the word of the Lord out in the field there as we gather for revival next week. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I'll attach tendons and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath in you and you will come to life and you will know that I am the Lord. And so Ezekiel did what all prophets are supposed to do. He did what the Spirit told him. He said, okay, I will prophesy to this this pile of dead bones that you are the Lord and you will bring them to life. And so this is what happens. Verse 7, as I prophesied, I prophesied as I was commanded. As I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. The bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them. There was no breath in them. This kind of reminds me of the creation story. When you think about it, right? God, it was, it was a two-part creation story, right? God first got down into the dust of the ground and formed man from that, formed Adam from the dust of the ground. But there wasn't any life in Adam until God breathed life into him. And we almost see a similar kind of echo here In Ezekiel, we see the bones and the bones start to come together and they rattle and there's something going on. uh, And and, and all of a sudden, they're they're formed into something that that are not just bones. They've got muscle and flesh and blood, but still, there's no life without the Spirit. Nothing lives without the Spirit. And so, we read in in verse 9, verse 8, there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Come, breath, from the four winds, breathe into those slain that they may live. So I prophesied, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. 
Prophesy to the breath. I love um, this phrase, breath. This is the Hebrew word, ruach. Can you say that? Ruach. Ruach. It's fun to say, isn't it? Ruach. It's got like a little at the end. Ruach. Yeah. This is breath. This is also the same word for spirit in Hebrew. It's also the same word for wind in Hebrew. It's the same word that shows up in the very beginning of the Bible when the spirit, the ruach of God hovered over the waters. Nothing comes to life without the spirit. And Ezekiel uses that word ruach 10 times in this passage. There's some version of breath or life or spirit or wind. And here's the thing that I love about this. We, we see that, like I said, it's kind of a two-stage process, right? He first prophesies to the bones and they're formed. And then we realize there's no life without the Spirit. So he says, prophesy to the breath, prophesy to the wind, to the Spirit of God to come to life. And Ezekiel does that. The thing is, friends, we can work to put everything into place. We can work hard in our lives to get everything together. And, and, and if God's Spirit is not there, there's no life. There's no life. We can do everything we can to prepare, but without God's spirit, which we can't control, there is no life. And so for us looking to revival, we are looking to put everything in place that we can and to plan and to prepare and to have musicians and to have food and to have chairs and to have a tent and to have everything set up. But if the spirit's not there, (laughs) we don't have anything. We don't have life. And so we do what we can to prepare and get ourselves in a place waiting expectantly for God's Spirit to show up. I had a pretty interesting week um, last week at at our house. Uh, Last week, I guess it was Thursday, I was feeling, I was sitting in my office and I was feeling pretty good about uh, Pentecost and and confirmation and kind of where everything was for the week and and my sermon. Everything was in a a really good place. And so I took a minute uh, to get on my phone and to look at Zillow. Does anybody ever do that? You ever look at Zillow and just kind of see what's out there or some other, some other home app? I just find real estate fascinating and interesting. I love to see um, which homes are for sale and, and where and neighborhoods and all that stuff. I just think it's really fun. So I got out my phone and, and I looked on Zillow and this one house came up that caught my attention. And Carrie and I, uh, my wife and I, have lived in our current house for about seven years now. And so for the past, I don't know, three years or so, as our, as our kids have grown, our children have grown, the house has felt, you know, maybe a little bit smaller. Um, the bedrooms have seemed a little bit smaller as the children have gotten a lot taller and bigger. Um, and so we've kind of always had in mind the idea that, hey, at some point, we might look for a, a little bit more space. Uh, our house also doesn't have much of a yard at all uh, for our kids or our dog. And so that's another thing that, that we were looking for. Um, so Thursday, just in the middle of nothing, in the middle of a normal day, I get out my phone, I click on Zillow, and this house comes up. Oh, well, that's interesting. I texted it to Carrie, and I said, hey, what do you think? Should we, should we try to see this house? And she said, yes, like three exclamation points. Yes, let's see it. And so I, I, I texted, and, and two hours later, we were in the house, and we were taking a look around, and, and we were checking it out. And it just, there was something about that experience that just felt spirit led. And we felt good about it. And we went home and we prayed and, and the kids were with us. They saw the house and so they were excited. 
And, and we decided to put in an offer. And so this was on Friday by the time we, we put in the offer. And some of you may know, this is a crazy market for buying a home right now. <laughs> yes? I, it's crazy. Um, and so we put in an offer. We didn't know whether, what would happen. But, but this is what happens after you put an offer in on your house. I, we need to sell our house <laughs> to have a down payment for this new house if we're to move into that. So, so we're all excited. Uh, so that was what Saturday looked like. Saturday looked like frantically running around, I, 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 cleaning everything we could, getting everything in order, making everything look nice, and, and getting everything prepared just in the event that these people decide to accept our offer on the house. And so we spent all day uh, running around, boxing things up, getting, putting things up in the attic where nobody surely is going to look, right, if they come by um, to look at the house, taking things to, to Goodwill and, 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 and to the dump. I made several trips to, to those places just to get everything ready. And we did all of that work. And, and the funniest thing about all of it is we had no idea if that was necessary or not. We just had to do the work. Because we had to be ready. If they accepted our offer, we had to be ready to list our house on the market this week. And so we did all of this work. We had to prepare. We had to do all these things uh, without really knowing what the outcome was going to be. And sure enough, uh, as is normal in the housing market these days, there were multiple offers. And so they came back to us on Sunday and said, hey, can you give us your best, uh, your best price? Because there's multiple people who want to have this house. And so we prayed about it and we did that. And, um, and fortunately, they called us right back and said, hey, congratulations, they accepted your offer. And so we are, yes, we are very excited. Um, it's here in town. It's only a mile from the place where we live now. Um, it's got a big yard. It's, 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 Oh, it's really, really exciting. And there's, there's miles to go before this thing closes, right? There's a lot of things. So, but we had spent all this time preparing, and then we found out, hey, this is going to happen. So, hey, this is going to happen. <laughs> we need to do some more things to prepare. And so we did some more cleaning and some more organizing and some more getting our house actually ready to have people walk through it and look at it and decide, hey, is this a place where we would like to live? And, and so uh, now we're in this place where we've done all this preparation work and we don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> we love our house that, that we're in. We love the house that we're moving to. We assume someone else will love the house that we're in and will come along and will want to buy it. But we don't know. We've done all this work to prepare, to get ready. And now we wait. And you know what? No matter how many times I check my phone to see, oh, how many, how many people have viewed it? Has any, how many people have favorited it? Um, how many, I'm checking to see, did I miss a text from my realtor? Is there something going on here that I don't know about? I, we can't control any of that stuff, right? We are in this position of having done the work to prepare, and now we wait expectantly, trusting that this word that we believe we've heard from God, this movement that we've sensed, from God's spirit, is going to bear fruit. But we can't make it happen. Just like Ezekiel. Ezekiel couldn't lead his people out of captivity without God's spirit at work. Without the spirit, nothing happens. And so we wait Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 11, says this. 
after he had prophesied to the bones, after he had prophesied to the breath, God says, I've got one more, one more sermon for you. He says, Then God said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is gone. Our bones are dried up, and our hope is gone. We are cut off. And God says, Prophesy to them one more time and tell them this, verse 12. My people, my people, remember who you are, Israel. You are God's people. Remember who we are, church. We are God's people. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I'm going to bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves bring you up from them. Friends, this is Memorial Day weekend. And it's an opportunity for us to remember all of those who have given the ultimate sacrifice for our lives and for our well-being, who have given themselves and died in service to our country in order that we might be free and live how we like. And so we give God thanks for those who have died in service to our country. We remember their families in our prayers. And we are thankful that we get to live where we do. On Memorial Day weekend, it's often traditional to go out and decorate the graves of those who have died in service to our country. And and other people take this opportunity to remember loved ones that have passed as well, whether they were connected to the military or not. But we go out and we decorate graves with flowers as an act of honoring that person's life and saying thank you. But it's also an act of faith and hope. Putting flowers on a grave, even though those graves are filled with dry bones, is a sign of saying we know that these bones can live again. We know that by God's spirit, these bones are going to come to life again one day. And so placing flowers on a grave is an act of hope and faith that this is not the end of the story. And so God foretold through Ezekiel that Israel, though captive, Israel, though felt like they were wasted away, that, that, they were, that they were just nothing but dry bones, that they had no hope. Ezekiel prophesied to them and said, you will rise and live again by God's spirit. You will be restored to your land. You will be able to worship God in Jerusalem and in the temple, and you will be able to be in right relationship with God by the power of God's spirit, by the power of the breath, by the wind of the Holy Spirit in you. Of course, all of those things came to pass. God's people were, in fact, set free from captivity and were allowed to go back to Jerusalem and and were allowed to rebuild the city and rebuild the temple and worship God there as they always had. But we also know 
that all of those prophecies of new life, of, of, of spirit in us were fulfilled completely through Jesus Christ and his life and death and resurrection. Christ died on the cross and he was placed in the tomb, but he did not become a pile of bones. He did not become a pile of bones. Instead, rather, God reached down and opened up the tomb and brought Christ out of the grave. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Ezekiel prophesied and gave a word to God's people, and, and, and later on we see Christ, the living word, breathing on his disciples and saying, Receive the Holy Spirit. We celebrated that last week at Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit unleashed into the world and into our hearts. The power that raised Christ from the dead, that, that reached into the, empty t- into the tomb and, and pulled Christ up into life is available in our hearts as well. And so friends, I wonder this morning, what is your valley of dry bones? What's the place where you, either in the past or even right now, are in the midst of feeling like there is no hope? What's the place where where you've struggled and you've done everything that you know how to do and you can't seem to overcome it? What's the place in the life of this church as we've been through this season of of COVID and, and pastor transition and, and other things. What, what's, this, what's the valley look like for Boone UMC right now? And what is the hope and promise that we can cling to this morning? What is it that when, when God says, human one, can these bones live again? Ezekiel responds, God... <laughs> Only you know. But friends, I think we all know, don't we? Having watched not only the the vision of Ezekiel foretelling what will happen with Israel, but having watched Christ crucified, dead and buried, and raised from the dead, brought up from the grave into new life by the power of the Holy Spirit, we know that whatever our valley looks like, whatever the struggle is that we're going through, whatever the place is where we find ourselves, where we say, is there even any hope? We know that the answer is yes. By God's spirit, the same spirit that breathes life into the disciples, that breathes life into you and I, the same spirit that lifts Christ from the grave lives in us. And so we wait expectantly. And I love the word wait in Hebrew as well because when you read it, um, it, there are many places where the word wait in Hebrew can also be translated as hope. So we wait with a special kind of waiting. I invite you to hear this about waiting and hoping from Isaiah, and I'll close with this. This is Isaiah chapter 40, and it won't be on the screen, but I invite you to hear these words. Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verse 29. Or 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? 
The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. His understanding, no one, no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. That's what this translation says. Those who hope in the Lord, in the NIV, in the NRS, it says those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Friends, as believers in Jesus Christ, as believers, as as people who inhale the very breath of God, the very power of the Holy Spirit in our souls, the power that lifted Christ from the dead, that lives in us, as we wait, we wait expectantly. We wait on the edge of our seats. We're like ready to jump, right? Because we know that God is with us. And God goes before us and behind us and around us and, and, and God is at work in our community, in our church, in every single one of us. And so that's how we wait. That's how we wait for revival. We wait expectantly. We do everything that we can to prepare and we work hard and we, we get ourselves in a place to listen and to respond to God's spirit. And then we wait expectantly on the edge of our seats for what God is going to do and what God is already doing in our midst. We wait expectantly with ears to hear the movement of the Spirit among us. We wait expectantly. We cannot wait to get out in that field and to sing songs of praise to God and to see one another face to face and to enjoy fellowship together. And, and, and I just invite you, if you know people who haven't yet been in the sanctuary because they're not sure about what it means to gather inside, invite them to come to the tent. We're going to be outside. It's, 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 it's going to be safe. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. And we're going to gather and we're going to spend time in prayer On Wednesday, we're going to spend time uh, discerning together God's movement. We're going to listen. We're going to repent of anything that gets in the way of us hearing from God. And we're going to wait expectantly on the edge of our seats for the God that reaches down into the valley of dry bones and brings out life through the power of the Spirit. Friends, will you wait? Will you wait with me? Will you wait with us on the God who does not grow weary, on the God who does not despair, on the God who brings life even out of dead bones. Let's do everything we can between now and next week to put our hearts in a place of expectant waiting because who knows what God is going to do in our midst. Only God knows. And we wait and we say, come, Holy Spirit. Amen.